Hi, before we get started, just a quick heads up. The Canadian Advisor Tech Expo is going to be taking place on November 14th to 17th between 12 and 5 p.m. Eastern Time, virtually online. It is the premier conference for advisors to learn more about technologies available to them and about transforming their digital practice. Please note that the previous ad before my podcast had the incorrect date. This is a correction. Hope to see you there. And now on to today's show. Hello, and welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Ari Brody, CEO of Estatably. Estatably is a Canadian estate administration software that makes sure that when your loved one passes away, that the onerous burden that is the administrative work left behind by an estate is dealt with in a quick, efficient, and accurate way in order to get the thing closed as soon as possible. And with that, here's my interview with Ari. Ari, thanks for the time today. Thank you. So, Ari Brody, uh, Estatably, tell us about Estatably. So, Estatably is essentially a project management solution for fiduciary administration. And that fiduciary administration uh, can consist of an estate, a trust, uh, a power of attorney, conservatorship, guardianship. And and so, what the platform does is it allows, um, it provides tooling for any professional fiduciary to get that work done in a quick and efficient manner. Excellent. So, I oversimplified it a bit when I said solely estate. So, basically, I mean, it all still falls under a State, state law in a lot of ways. So that, that that wasn't too far off. Okay. So talk to me about the history of this company. How did it come to be? Yeah. So as you know, uh, Jason, when we first met, uh, I was working for a company called uh, Honest. I was like, I co-founded it with, uh, with Brad Katansky. One of the first 10 episodes I recorded. <laughs> Yeah. And, <laughs> Way um, back machine. Yeah. yeah. So my background is in financial services. I come from your world. Uh, I was a, fi- I was a, a private wealth advisor for uh, two Canada's largest financial institutions. And uh, at the time, um, you know, a lot of writing was on the wall in terms of how technology was coming and disrupting our space. You know, and I'm talking about pre-Wealth Simple, things like Betterment, Wealthfront, companies in the U.S., robo-advisors coming. And, and one of the issues I found in my business was it was very hard to collaborate with my clients, other financial professionals, their lawyers, their accountants, their tax uh, and and insurance people. And so uh, Brad and I started Honest as a way to, as a kind of virtual family office platform, a way to coordinate all these different financial professionals around a comprehensive view of a family's uh, important assets, liabilities, and important financial documents. And as we were selling that to smaller wealth management firms and accounting firms and law firms, we kept on getting a very consistent piece of feedback, which was the system that we had created to inventorize all those assets and liabilities would be very useful for estate administration. Now, going back to my previous career, I didn't have very much experience with estate administration. I really didn't know what went on. Most of my exposure to estates was on the planning side of things. And then in 2015, I lost my grandmother and my co-founder of Estatably, uh, Alex is a first cousin of mine. And two years after she had passed away, I called Alex up and I said, Alex, this is very strange. Grandma left a really simple estate. I mean, we could understand that complex estates would take a long time to settle. Um, but this was really simple. They she, take almost the exact same amount of time to sell. That's the problem. So she 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 didn't own much property. I mean, she she was a renter. She had a small riff worth a couple hundred thousand dollars. Her will had her three grandchildren as beneficiaries, all of whom get along today. So this was like as plain vanilla as you get. And two years later, I said, what's going on here? Why does this process take so long? 
And uh, Alex's background is in human factors engineering. And I'm going to date myself because when I went to school, there was no such thing as human factors engineering. You studied sociology or I don't know what that is, but continue. So I I said, let's 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 try to get, you know, get down to this problem. And and I'm like you, uh, when I want to learn about stuff, I go I go back to school and I take courses and get credentials. And Alex was like, no, 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 let's go speak to people in the in the in the business and see if this was normal or it was just our family that was completely incompetent in navigating this um, this process. So luckily I had good contacts um, in financial and the financial industry. And, and so what was interesting was that everyone who we requested to speak with all took a, took a, uh, took the appointment. And we asked them essentially, was this two to three year process that we were undergoing? Was that normal? And, or, you know, if we would have hired a professional to help us through this, would it have gone much quicker? And they said, you know what, in Canada, Two to three years to settle in a state is actually quite normal. And then it's actually not that unusual in the US, also. I mean, to get the release, to get the the final certificate from the IRS. I just went through one where uh, basically it was in year four or something like that. It was pretty brutal. So, you know, it's it's quite common. And and we started to kind of dig a little bit deeper and we asked them, well, what about this process takes so long? And regardless of which industry segment we spoke with, we spoke with people at trust companies, we spoke with the lawyers, we spoke with accountants. And they all said the same set of problems. First, complete lack of automation. There's so much manual work that needs to go into the administration of an estate or a trust. And a lot of times you're, you're filling in forms manually, uh, redundant information on, on multiple forms. There's very steep learning curves. There's no there's no program, university program that's graduated a cohort of, of students that, that have even um, theoretical knowledge on how this gets how this gets done. And third, there's very little collaboration amongst the different professionals, all of whom are working in their own silos. And then when we asked the people the trust companies to show us what kind of software they used, <laughs> um, their eyes kind of glazed over. And they said, what, what are you talking about? So what we saw even with the law firms was they were using old and clunky uh, systems built in the 90s, looked like, looked like it was built in the 1990s, um, not cloud-based. So Alex and I thought that we had a real opportunity to, to come in and uh, and provide a little bit of innovation in the space that hadn't seen some uh, in a while. And you mentioned the tax clearance in the U.S., the, the closing letter. When we asked professionals what was their biggest pain point, they all came back and said getting a tax clearance certificate from the CRA was just the bane of their existence. And so we started with an MVP that was really uh, a way to expedite and collect the necessary information for a tax clearance certificate. We had conversations with the, uh, like with, with the CRA. And then we we launched that MVP at the Step National Conference in 2019, where I saw you. Yep. And um, the feedback that we got was, you know, this is great, but it's only a, a sliver of the work that we do. And if you could do something for the full administration, that would be something that we'd be interested in buying. And so we got back to work. It took us about a year, a year and a bit after that 2019 unveiling that we came up with a full administration product. And the initial feedback we got from launching in Ontario was this product absolutely sucks. We would never use something like this. And then we started listening to our customers and say, well, how can we fix this? And one of the key, I guess, key moments for the company was our, our learning that most practitioners, when they're filing forms, need to be able to make quick last minute adjustments to those forms. Um, and so we had generated all the forms in PDF and they said, well, if you can generate these in Word, it's going to save us a lot of time. And it was over Christmas of 2020 where our director of customer success spent the entire Christmas holiday reworking the forms. And then in January, it was uh, we just started getting uh, getting customers. And uh, it's been uh, it's been great ever since. We had a couple big moments to the company in 2021. First was getting our stock to certification, which was really big. We had been having conversations with the large law firms and large huge, 
huge. It's, it's like, it's, 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 you know, it's not quite table stakes. And I mean, the lawyers are at the cutting edge of this because, you know, you tell them there's a certain, there's a way to make something secure or, you know, there's a slightest probability. Like it's like the foreign server issue. It's like, oh, there's some sort of question whatsoever as to the validity of what I should be doing. The answer is no. Right. So if you tell them that there's like a gold standard in security, they're going to say, well, guess what? That's the only thing I should be using. So not surprising. And, and for those who, you know, who listen to the podcast, they know that this is becoming gold standard in the, in the industry. In fact, the SEC is now going to require as of a certain date that all providers basically utilize anyone in the RIA space, basically uh, using software. Those softwares have to be SOC 2 compliant. Absolutely. And so we would have conversations with the large law firms and the banks, but without the SOC 2, the SOC 2 really opened the door for, for more meaningful conversations. And the second big thing was in August, we were nominated um, for software of the year in the trust and estates, estates category in Canadian Lawyer Magazine. We won that in October, and uh, I think in December of 2021, we gained 140 professional customers. Um, so it was a, it was a great year for us in, in 2021, and we've managed to continue on that success in, in 2022. Excellent. Okay, so let's discuss the kind of process the old-fashioned way. So someone passes away, and the state needs to be settled. You know, for those who've never lived that living hell, please to help, like go through what it's like to have to settle in a state and what needs to be done. Yeah, so the, the settlement of the state is, is an extremely daunting task. There's a, there's a tremendous amount of, of manual administrative work that needs to needs to get done by the executor of the state, the person who is either uh, named uh, in the will, or if uh, in the case of an intestacy, uh, is uh, is appointed by the court, or um, or could be the next of kin who's, who acts as the administrator of the estate. Overall, there's about 420 hours in uh, statistics show of manual administrative work that needs to be accomplished. So you're going to start off by having, obviously, to arrange the funeral. That's mm-hmm. the first step, obviously. And then you're going to spend a lot of time trying to understand and uncover the assets of the deceased. And one would think in today's day and age with uh, you know how much technology we're using, that that process would be made easier. But in fact, back in the day, the way that trust companies used to go and discover assets was they used to just go to the home of the deceased and they'd wait for the mail to come in. And based off what you find in the mail, you get clues into what assets existed. So I got a bank account from uh, a bank statement from BMO. Here's a brokerage statement from uh, CIBC Wood Gundy. You start to be able to, here's an account from Rogers. You start to piece together the asset base of the of the deceased individual. Um, today, a lot of people are have gone paperless. So you can go and sit and wait for the mail to come as long as long as you want, but you're never going to be able to understand uh, those assets. And so there, there are some great companies, I know you're involved with some of them, Jason, that uh, allow people to, to, to log this information while they're living so that when they do pass away, it's uh, much easier for the executor to, to gather those assets. But having said that, you need to be able to understand what kind of assets exist. And based off that, there's a, a, a list of probably 100 to 150 tasks that need to be accomplished throughout the administration. Um, starting with going through probate uh, in most most uh, jurisdictions, uh, Quebec has a bit of an expedited process that doesn't require um, probate if if the, if the will has been notarized uh, prior to death. But in most Canadian jurisdictions, you're going to have to go through the probate process, which is uh, the process of uh, proving that the will is indeed the last uh, uh, will and testament of the deceased. And it gives the executor, the person named in that will, the power to uh, the authority to act on behalf of the estate. And once the letters of probate is generated by the court, uh, that administrator then needs to repatriate assets 
to a, uh, an estate bank account. They then need to manage those assets, uh, make sure that they uh, those assets. You don't necessarily need to hit the lights out, hit the ball out of the park with the assets, but you, you need to maintain the, the the assets for the benefit of the, of the beneficiaries. You need to be able to account for all the expenses in and out of the estate. Um, and finally, you need to distribute the assets according to the wishes uh, of the will, or in the case where there isn't a will, according to the intestacy laws of the jurisdiction. Yeah, so not small. I still love the entire mail thing. I mean, it's not just the mail; it's it's also hunting through all the drawers in the house. I mean, it's uh, it's brutal. The reality is is that as a, as a planner, we constantly encourage people to organize as much, and we'll keep track of as much as we can internally. But if you're not working with someone who's providing that kind of service or not using some sort of record keeper of where everything is and telling people where that record keeper is, then honestly, the it's just brutal. And as uh, as was covered in an episode with Tom Deans, where he said, you know, if someone asks you to be the executor of a with a state the only answer should be no. And if the answer has to be yes, then it better be like, okay, here's how you're going to organize everything. So you're not going to ruin my life for a couple of years because it's, it's, it's brutal. And I think yeah. of like, when I mean, you think about how many horrible ways this can go, I mean, the number of times where fortunately I come across a widow or, some, or just someone who passed away where the spouse handled all the money and they, you know, that person passed away. They didn't even know what the bank accounts were. They didn't know how to access them. They, there was one where, I mean, it was nine months, I think nine months to almost a year after the person passed away. And they came to see me because they got a notice about an insurance policy premium being due. They didn't know the policy was there and the amount of financial hardship they were going through at the time. And I'll tell you, if you, like I said this before in the podcast, if you want to make your descendants or your people you leave behind hate you, leave behind a disorganized estate because I can pretty much promise they're going to curse your name forever. So such is life. All right. So that is the brutal reality of what people were dealing with. Now let's talk about the solution. Right? So basically how did you talked about the journey of how you went and went and did it. Let's talk about the actual workflow. So God forbid I lose a loved one. I get referred over to you. What am I looking, what decisions am I making? What am I being told to do? So you have, you have two options of if you're, if you're the executor, one, you can go it alone. You can do the work by your, by yourself. Um, which obviously um, most people are ill-advised to do. It's just a lot of work. Uh, the, you know, the more expertise you can you can have behind you, the better. You can work with a law firm that's going to help you go through the probate process, or you can use a you know, help the, use the services of a, of a, of a trust company or, or or a challenger company, right? And they will help with the kind of uh, complete estate administration. Um, those are the companies that we sell to. So if they are using Estatably, they're going to be able to work with you as the executor to get all the necessary inputs that are required throughout the entire estate administration process. They're going to collect information about the deceased, where they lived, where they died, where they married, all the kind of important information that goes into the probate application process. They're going to get information about the beneficiaries. They're going to get information about the will itself, how the will um, proposes to distribute those assets. They're going to store all that information one time on a statably. Then throughout the process, as I mentioned, there's dozens upon dozens of forms that need to be completed. They need all the different um, service providers that with whom the deceased dealt with need to be either closed or dealt with in, in a certain way. So statably, once all that information is input by a professional using a statably, we'll be able to pre-fill all the forms, all the letters that are required to go out to those service providers to cancel accounts. And it's going to save at least 10 times the amount of time that it would take to do everything manually. I mean, just think of 
Today, the stat is that the average person today leaves behind 135 different accounts tied to their email. Each of those different service providers require different information. Some require the account number, some require the email that's associated to it. Statably unknows all that information. So you can just click generate letters and all those letters in one click can get generated and you just yeah. send them out. Yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of chuckling thinking that I'm pretty sure I'm well beyond 135 and I'm pretty sure I'd break your system. I'm an outlier, so that's fine. Good, so I mean, uh, okay, so talk to me about some of the functional. So you talked about the kind of the, the practical application how this works. Talk to me about the, the functional little tweaks you did to kind of try to make this thing work. Like what what did you do besides just asking for information? Was there anything other technologies that brought yeah, there? So, yeah, absolutely. So we, you know, it's great. It's a great question, and uh, one of the you know, one of the things that we pride ourselves on is to really understand the pain points of our, of our customers. And sometimes the customers themselves can't envision what kind of solution there is, but just understanding what the problems are is uh, is a big thing. So one of the things that we heard right early off the bat was at the end of every month, in order to perform the accounting that I need to show to beneficiaries, I'm getting uh, month-end statements. And I have to input every single transaction line by line into an estate accounting table and then generate reports. I need to divide those into um, capital disbursements, income disbursements, capital receipts, income receipts. It's a big pain in the ass. It takes um, it, it takes several hours every month just to be able to do that. And they asked, is, is there any way that you guys can you know, help us with that process? And so we've invested very heavily in, in research and development. We hired a group, two individuals, two PhD students from, uh, or two PhD graduates from, from Brazil who have uh, experience with uh, machine learning, and uh, um, natural language processing and computer vision. And they developed a system that will allow people to simply um, in, uh, upload uh, month-end bank or brokerage statements into a Statably. And a Statably is going to input all of those automatically into our system. So we call that DocuVision. And the huge uh, benefit is once those um, that information is input into a Statably, we can generate a whole slew of reports with one click that can go out to beneficiaries, to other stakeholders of the estate with a click of a button. Excellent. So bottom line is making something incredibly painful hurt a lot less. So I've got to ask you about one thing I see on your feature list, which I never thought I would see. And it's, it makes a lot of sense. Gmail calendar integration. Talk to me about why that's important and what that accomplishes. Well, there's, like, as I mentioned before, there's sometimes between 100 and 150 different tasks that are associated with, um, with the completion of an estate. And what's critical for people is to be able to stay on top there. I mean, as an executor, estatably is not, or as, as a professional, estatably is not always open on your desktop. And so it's very important to be able to have the deadlines that be met and to get email reminders sent to your Gmail. I mean, Gmail is a tool that we use uh, all the time. Um, and it's, you know, just like I got reminders a week before this, a day before this, 10 minutes before this, that I shouldn't miss this, this, uh, this podcast. Um, similarly for states, there are deadlines that need to be met uh, or penalties be paid. And uh, it's important to have that, those, uh, those types of integrations. Excellent. So you really, I mean, you kind of had nailed it when you said it was a project management software because you can't have a project management without proper calendaring and reminders. Okay. So this is where you've gotten to date. Talk to me about where you see this going in the future. What kind of product extensions do you see happening? What, is there anything else you want to kind of close the loop on or, or other value you want to bring to the table? Yeah, absolutely. So there's some very interesting growth loops that can occur with the different product lines that we've been building. So the feedback from the people that were using our flagship estate administration program said, hey, this is great. You know, I also I also do a lot of um, accounting for power of attorneys. So would it be possible for you guys to build a, a power of attorney administration solution? And we said, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and a power of attorney is just a different form of fiduciary relationship. And, and mm-hmm. it didn't take much to be able to tweak the original platform to be 
able to create a new product line. And the same thing with with trusts. Um, as you probably know, the trusts are using are being used more and more in terms of um, estate planning. And uh, those those you know, uh, there's a lot of um, testamentary trusts that get created in a will. You know, a good planning technique to, is is uh, to create spousal trusts uh, because you save on 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 the you know, or you defer tax uh, for the next generation. And so people were saying, hey, can we manage testamentary trusts in a state of Can we manage inter, inter- vivos trusts in a state of So what's interesting is that a power of attorney, I mean, I you know, I went through this myself with my with my late mother. Um, she was, you know, incapacitated for the last four or five years of her life. She required someone to manage her financial affairs. And it's typically the case that unfortunately, between five and seven years of someone becoming incapacitated, they end up passing away. The, that professional who's using that can then turn that into an estate file. And if that estate has a testamentary trust that gets created from the will, they can manage the the ongoing trust in the state of lead as well. So there's a lot of interesting growth loops that that, uh, that can happen because of the product growth. Yeah. And I mean, it makes a lot of sense too. I mean, you speak at that point, you started a little bit further down the entire kind of servicing funnel. But at the end of the day, if you're already acting as a as a power of attorney for someone just being able to convert to this person is now deceased and already have all that information in there. Man, that'll be the quickest administration of an estate imaginable. Hopefully. Good stuff. Talk to me about the feedback. I mean, you said you've uh, been picking up quite a lot and frankly, <laughs> morbidly launched around the time of COVID. So there was more business, unfortunately. So, so talk to me about the feedback you're seeing from both professionals, but I'm, I mean, also I'm curious about the individuals who basically have, have discovered you. Yeah. So, um, you know, what's, as you mentioned, we launched in, uh, we launched in a, in, uh, in a very precarious time. We launched uh, in, the, you know, the, during COVID. So, uh, the, you know, there was uh, unfortunately more more business uh, to be had. And I think that the big thing for the company was that the competitive solutions on the market weren't cloud-based. So you had an entire industry that had mm-hmm. to you know, work remotely and yet couldn't effectively access the systems that they needed to get their work done properly. So Estatably as a cloud solution, it was Canada's first real estate administration solution based in the cloud. Sometimes we would get on demos and when we would say we were based in the cloud, they would be like, we don't need to see anything else. Let's sign up. So that was a huge, uh, a huge thing for, for us. And as crazy as it sounds that in 2021, you know, being in the cloud is a competitive solution, but unfortunately it is. It is in this industry. And, you know, back, going to your question about the individuals, we're not selling directly to individuals. We, we do people, um, you know, we sell to professionals and the way that individuals benefit is that their bills for, for the lawyers that they work with, for the trust companies they work with um, can be significantly reduced because the platform allows for a lot of automation to occur. So if you're being billed on an hourly basis from the lawyer who's getting you through probate, who's helping you um, through the accounting phase, they're going to spend a lot less time um, and get the same amount of work done, and, and that's going to that's going to come in the in the form of reduced legal bills. Um, I think the stat is that to, on average, the average estate pays around thirteen thousand dollars in legal fees to help settle an estate, and that those can obviously the cost savings of using a state of can definitely be passed on to the uh, yeah. And it's an interesting one because everybody everybody laments the cost of law, of law and, and the use of lawyers, but more often than not, it's because a people aren't organized and b people just don't know what they want. And they seem to think that lawyers are really want to charge all these fees for this sort of stuff, but in actuality, frankly, they don't want to be administrators. <laughs> they, that you know, that's not the best use of their time. That's not the most profitable use of their time. That's not what they can build the most for. So if anything, you know, this is an entire situation where you know, the clients hate paying for it, and the uh, 
and the lawyers hate doing it. So you're solving a problem on both ends. So it's uh, it's definitely I can see if, you know everybody being happy with the end result. And as for the fact it's in the cloud, you know who would have thought people don't want to have something tied to one computer? I mean, really, uh, you know, hard hard to hard to see why that would well, that would be the case. All right, so uh, pretty straightforward. I mean, it's a straightforward product, and I, I uh, but you think it's a highly effective one. And I want to say straightforward. I want to I don't want to the value proposition straightforward. The actual execution is actually highly complex because of all the stuff you got to collect. So good on you for getting this done. And one day I will have to use it. I do not look forward to that day, but I look forward to it, but I, I look forward to having the option. So before we wrap up, there's three questions I ask everybody in a positive note. And the first one is, is if you had one wish for something to change in your company or the industry as a whole, what would it be? It's a really good question. One of the biggest struggles we've had at the company is hiring uh, you know, great development talent. And the government's done a phenomenal job in terms of enticing people to come to this country um there's you know the, the in terms of the research and development credits that we get montreal has been a real hub for that so we've had mm-hmm. amazon google uh, facebook have all set up shop here in montreal and the difficulty is that because of the amazing tax credits that are available here we're competing against um the googles and amazons and facebooks of the world um in terms of uh, in terms of resources so if there was a way if there was one wish you know you know we, we do what we have to do so we've been tapping a lot of the immigration markets um canada has amazing programs for that as well um so that's been good but the, you know it's it's it'd be nicer to hire it'd be nice to hire domestic talent as well so if i had one wish it would be for the, a bit of a, a normalization and leveling of the playing field for in a kind of resource talent for, for development work. Yeah. I, uh, basically it's when I asked the next question is, which is what is the biggest challenge you face today? And I think you just answered it there too. And that's the most common answer is, is finding talent. So what is the biggest challenge you face today? Is it different or is it the same thing? <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, that, that is, is definitely the, it, it definitely is. And the other thing is, is, um, I would say another challenging thing for us as a as a relatively you know new startup. We've been in, in the in the market for for you know the company's been around for four years, been in the market for two. It has to do with now that we're getting big customers, right? We have two of the largest financial institutions in Canada as, as now using our state administration, trust administration platform. We have a very robust and innovative roadmap that we've had from day one. But now we have these big customers that are demanding custom work. Here and we so go. How do we deal with the problem of responding to the needs of our customers, which obviously butter our bread, but at the same time, continue to create an, an innovative product that the rest of the world uh, will hopefully be able to use. And that's that's one of the biggest challenges I have as a CEO is to, to allocate resources between those two competing interests. A very common refrain, the old uh, keeping the big ones happy versus the core product build. And uh, we're going to chat about that, but it's a struggle that uh, that everyone faces, quite honestly. And it's uh, it, it can be, if you're not careful, it can crush you as a company. It's a big deal. It is. And then the last question is, what keeps you getting up in the morning every day to keep on fighting a good fight that is entrepreneurship and putting up with the difficulty of that, especially through a pandemic? It's just fun to, it's fun to build stuff. And it's something that I learned about myself in, in, in COVID. And, um, you know, one of the things that um, I realized about myself was, and I guess I was lucky because I came from a you know, financial world is I would always hire people to do stuff that I should be doing myself. So even to change the light bulb, I would get someone to come and, and, and change it. And one of the things I noticed about myself in COVID is I started to learn how to do things myself. And uh, I liked building things and I liked building things regardless of whether they were going to stand the test of time. I built a screen porch in my backyard 
and knowing full well that I was going to tear it down at the end of the summer, but it was just the process of building it that was so exciting for me. And I think it's the same for building a company like Estatably, the process of building something that's valuable, that professionals um, can use, that can eventually help fidu- the fiduciary, uh, you know, the, um, the fiduciary stakeholders as well as themselves is, is something that keeps me, keeps me up and gets, gets me up in the morning. Well, Ari, thank you so much for taking the time today. Very much appreciate it. Appreciate your time, Jason. So that was my interview with Ari Brody of Estatable. Hope you enjoyed that. And if uh, you are dealing with the unfortunate situation of having to administer either a trust, a power of attorney situation or an estate, then I highly suggest you take the time to look and see what they're up to. Because frankly, thus far, nothing but positive reviews. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.